Hello, you're listening to Stark Contrast, a Game of Thrones podcast at Movie Fail. I'm Jay Rosenfield, here with Soren Howe. We're talking about the beginning of the end of Game of Thrones. It's here. It's almost over. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> We're so close. It's episode one of season eight. It's called, rather imaginatively, uh, Winterfell. Mm. They really strained themselves to come up with that one. Um, they didn't. When you the can't start aired, bagging on it on the title. You're going to run out of steam by the end of this. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a terrible. It's it's like I, I, someone reminded me recently, or maybe it was you. We've talked in the past about how they seem to come up with titles just on the fly, like the night beforehand. I think they literally did in this case, because when it aired, there was no title that had been released. It was only after the episode aired. I think they're also being really weird title. about it, though. They're obsessed with the. Oh, it's probably a dumb, like, oh, we have to keep the seek. Oh my gosh, could you even imagine if we had known that this episode was called Winterfell? <laughs> no, I'm not saying that it's a, it applies to all episodes, but I think that they have a blanket sort of policy on it. Because next, the next three episodes don't have names, or two episodes don't have names yet either. Um, So they're just, yeah. I don't know, they're being weird about it. They, didn't they give different scripts to everyone too? I'm sure they did a bunch of dumb nonsense to, to keep all the secrets that... You know, it's something Marvel does. Marvel's even worse because they don't even tell. Did you read that? X? I won't get off on track right away, but they do the next version of Tom Holland talking about how he had to do a fight scene and they wouldn't tell him who he was fighting or what it was or how big it was or what it looked like that he was just had to punch the air for 10 minutes. Like that's that's just how these big productions operate now. It's it's crazy. Well, yeah, but he in particular is quite. I know. Bad. I know. I know he has a he has a particular problem. A particular issue. Um. But yeah, no, I mean, so that's, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe I, I might feel a bit better about the, I mean, I don't care about the name, to be honest, but I mean, just, I might feel better about the name if it had, I don't know if I'm just remembering it through rose-colored glasses, but like, I think the first season of Game of Thrones is amazing. And um, I, like, that's my current and long-held opinion. Um, I saw it twice when it came out because I watched it all as it came out and then I watched it with some friends who had never seen it um, to get them into the show back in the day. Um, and uh, I was... Uh, and I just remember being really, really exciting. And I think, you know, the first episode was, you know, all about Winterfell and um, they really set up the the castle as, like, a place that people lived and were doing things and... Um, so I guess if it had been a bit more like that, like if we had gotten any of that here, I might have been like, oh, it's like a parallel, but like to start season eight, the last season of the show. Um, and clearly the creators, uh, if you watch the behind the scenes uh, thing, thought they were um, doing that. But Yeah. Oh, God, we're going to we are going to talk about that little clip yeah. of them because it is astonishing. <laughs> By the way, can I just say, is this David Nutter, Dave Hill, and then the creators are also Dave? Everyone's named Dave or David. On Everyone is a white guy named David yeah, on this show, except for Miguel Sapochnik. Except for Miguel Sapochnik, yeah. <laughs> He's the one. Uh, and he is the one. He is the one. Um, he truly is. He'll save us from the Matrix. He, he will finally, he will free us. He can see the code. <laughs> um, yeah. It's called, so, <laughs> it's called uh, Day One. Film school. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not good kid. <laughs> That's the code he can it's see. So, he can so see bad. like so bad. I'm he's so read sorry, a book. Guys. Look, can I just um, say before we go any further, because <laughs> this is important. Um, we got a lot of people who've been waiting for this show to come back, both the actual show and then <laughs> I'm being serious. 
with and I know, I'm sorry. and stark contrast to come <laughs> back and um the uh I, I just think it's 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 worth noting there's a lot of people who are are quite invested in um what happens and we love characters. you so much genuinely i mean you guys are we won't do podcasts if it was just us you know cause, well i know you never listen to them and i barely listen <laughs> to them guys even though i'm editing them so like if it's not us but my mom so we appreciate it hugely and we love the comments and feedback and we were hugely 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 dependent on constant uh, praise and um compliments <laughs> <laughs> otherwise we'll just give up um but no no we we really do appreciate it and uh and so if we're harsh on the show it's not it's not it shouldn't be a reflection on fans and what you guys uh know and love because um we uh we we know you guys have been invested for a long time in the show um both again the podcast and the and the tv show for sure um and uh and to be honest that's where we started as well i mean obviously things have changed in recent years but i mean i i i game of thrones was one of my favorite shows and when you know back when the first season was airing and while i kind of lost faith a bit by the second season which didn't really take long i guess um i really you know i wanted this show to be really fantastic so when we're harsh on it it's not with the intention of just being grouchy about it and if you want proof that we're not grouchy about things you know we just did an entire season of deadwood where we liked basically everything you know with some critiques obviously but mostly we just really enjoyed the show so we don't dislike everything but uh stark contrast is uh is all about expressing ideas that's what we do here i want to we have i want to leapfrog off that (laughs) (laughs) i want to leapfrog off that just by just prefacing this episode and this season i want to kind of uh set a baseline for where i'm coming from um like like soren said we both started this show uh, really liking the show, really thinking it was really genuinely good. Um, like a, like a really good TV show, one of the good TV shows. And it was unfortunate that we went right into season five, which is when the show really took a dip and not just a dip, more like a plunge, uh, into some disastrous territory. But the thing is, I want to say, after watching this episode, I think I have come out the other side. I think I have have not resurfaced from this plunge, but I've gone so far down that I've actually come out like I've I've crossed the Rubicon and I'm in the other universe and I've I've resurfaced on the other side. It's like this is a I don't like this show, but I had a blast watching this episode. I don't think it's good, but it was like I was watching this like, oh, man, this is ridiculous. This is so stupid. (laughs) This is bad, but I had fun. It's just gone full soap opera on you or something like that. Well, it's just so like, we'll get into the specific reasons why, but there are certain moments that are just like played very seriously that I just thought were so inherently hilarious that, yeah, it's, I I had, I had a ton of fun with this episode. It's, it's terrible. That's uh well, you know, uh, as long as you're getting some, some pleasure out of it. I, I just was (laughs) baffled watching it. It really was, it was, it was striking to watch something that is this anticipated to just premiere with an episode like this. How do you how, look? Okay, how do you get the entire world's attention and put this episode out? I don't understand it. You should look. Did you the ratings? If you can go to Wikipedia and look at the ratings. Oh, I this, I haven't looked at the ratings yet. It's unbelievable. Scroll down to the ratings. Let me, let me do that right if now. If you're listening to this, go, go to, to Wikipedia and scroll down the ratings for the premiere. It's just, it's like... Oh my God! It's increasing every season, and then this season, 
this premiere has more views than all of the previous seasons. By, That's like, ludicrous. Doubles, triples it, something like that. It's crazy how many people are watching this. You have the audacity <laughs> to put this, this episode out. Well, I told you last time ah, we recorded the last episode of Deadwood, I told you, like, I read some spoilers for the premiere and I think nothing happens in this episode. And you were like, what? No, surely something has to happen in the episode. <laughs> yeah, and I well. said, no, I'm pretty sure nothing happens. And lo and behold, they released an hour long season premiere. Two years this show has been gone. Two years it's been gone. And they come back for the final six episodes and nothing happens in this episode. Well, you know, nothing. Got to have those extended episodes because there's not enough time. But, you know. Oh, God, it's going to be 80 minute episode. I, I'm, Reunions, you know, I let like let's just dive into it. Well, something we talk about a lot on this show, like one, I think probably our most used word on start on start contrast is table setting. I can remember all the times at the begin, the first half of every season we're talking about, well, this is a really a table setting episode. It's all about putting the p moving the pieces into place mm -hmm. for, you know, whatever we talk about that a lot. Cause the show does that a lot. And for some reason I thought, well, this is the final six. They only have six episodes left. Surely, surely they don't have to do that anymore. Surely we could just get into it, but no, that's what this episode is. It's table setting again. It's just getting all the stupid pieces into place. It's like they took such a big break, they felt like they had to remind everyone what the show is about. It or really like is. The characters it's, are. Every, every scene, at least in the first half of the episode, is like, here are the two characters. Here's what this their relationship is, remember? And they don't, they don't well, they don't even remind you, really, though. Um, and they... <laughs> and do a great cause, job. Because there, like, there were scenes where I was like, well, I don't even remember the last time these characters saw each other, and I don't... Like, what yeah, was Arya and John? I mean, I know yeah, it was a I big forgot. deal to see them together again, but, like, they have this, like... No, these like knowing looks, you know, and like the mm -hmm. the hug, and you're like, okay, but what? Because you gave him this, you gave her the sword in the, like in the first season. Is that what's it? Is that what you're doing? Is that what's happening? Why is this happening? I didn't know what was happening between these characters, and like, look for the people who rewatch seven seasons, which I will never do. It's never going to happen. I'm not <laughs> going to do it. Um, mm -hmm. I'll rewatch the first season on repeat because it's a good story um, and just sort of leave that at that and a really depressing ending um, or it's actually quite cool it has Daenerys with the dragon and stuff and just imagine what would happen after that instead of actually watching it but I'm not gonna I, but for, so for people who did that they probably remember really well what happened and that was what 2012 or something are the you kidding me 2011 2011, 2011. Yeah. Oh, come on you can't just rely on that you can't. I, it doesn't work. And I know, like, it kind of it works a little bit if you're going to do Jamie and and uh, Bran, because that's, you know, the sort of genesis of the whole show. And it's the it was from the, the, the first episode. But like, I don't know, a lot of these things are, are quite tough. But yeah, so they, they sort of do this reminder episode, but they don't treat it like what I would have assumed, which is, you know, this was the second half of the seventh season. It's like it's the beginning of the eighth season which is just going to be a short season, which is just weird approach, but you know, whatever. But that's the whole, I mean, I don't know when that's the problem with this is that's the whole episode. The whole episode is just people meeting each other and then like, and like resetting a couple of things because it was inconvenient narratively, I guess, like Yara being imprisoned. <laughs> she just isn't now. <laughs> so, um, 
That's that was cool. a real whiff, I gotta say. That was the big setup for Theon at the end of the last yeah. season. I'm gonna go save my <laughs> yeah. sister. And it's like, it takes five seconds. They don't meet any resistance. It's five seconds. They go through, they take the fleet, the whole fleet, I guess, which doesn't have the Golden Company on it anymore. I, I To be honest, I couldn't, I wasn't quite sure how that worked because I thought the Golden Company... It was unclear. I guess the Golden Company had moved off the... Uh, the ships and then uh and then and then there's like oh i'm going one way and you're going the other and then we're gonna have one more reunion that was my favorite part when she go when she says you want to go to winterfell go you're in the middle of the ocean <laughs> how is your, your i guess it, how, i guess it is take a boat or something <laughs> <laughs> i yeah. wanted him to sh- get in a little like rowboat to row to Winterfell. Yeah. i guess well you know he'll just be there next episode i'm sure but at least now yeah. because they're all together they can't teleport anymore that's true. We're done with teleporting. We're, we're most, finally, we're mostly done with that because literally every character is in Winterfell at this point, except for like Cersei. Well, now news can teleport because of Bran. That was my favorite. Um, he's just like, oh, by the way, they broke through the wall because it used to be that news would instant like ravens would just instantly arrive places, so people instantly knew things that had happened on the other side of the country. Again, it didn't. But now Bran is just like, oh, I can psychically see it. At first, it was the ravens took a while. Then the ravens were teleporting, and now Bran can just know. And then they don't even explain how uh, the creepy old guy knows King's Landing. Yeah. <laughs> What's his name? Kyburn. Kyburn. Yeah. That's right. I remember, guys. All right. You know, <laughs> I spent a lot of this episode staring at people's faces, trying to remember what their names were. I was just telling I was just telling Jay that before the episode, because I was like, who is this person? And then like, I, I knew who they were, but I didn't know like like where narratively related to other characters who they were. But I couldn't remember their names. Um, but I got I got almost all of them from memory without, you know, uh, asking, except for Yara. I couldn't remember her name. But most of them I got. Um, I know this makes me sound like such a, you know, like a, like a non-fan of the show, but it's not like people have been following the show, you know, I've been watching this and like talking about it for years and I still can't because they just leave such little impression on me. And, you know, maybe this should set up actually the episode because I think, you know, y'all have already watched it. So we'll talk about the episode itself. But it, as a framing for the episode, we should talk about the behind the scenes because there's this astonishing line. <sighs> Yes. This astonishing line from the creators of the show, or whatever, the showrunners. And they said, and I, I don't remember if it was T.B. Weiss or David Benioff, I genuinely, I can't remember. But one of them says, the fact that, and he, he's talking about the um, reunion of all the characters. It says, the fact that they're coming back together again for the first time means more to them than it, mean, than it may mean to us. <laughs> What the hell does that mean? <laughs> They're not real people. <laughs> and what a great like uh, what a great summation of how little how little of an impact this episode makes. It's like these fictional characters it means more well it doesn't mean anything to me, so I hope it means something to somebody. Um I I want to as long as we're talking about that, I want to bring up and we'll link to this in the post, this clip, this behind the scenes clip from the Davids. Uh, where they are talking about the episode, my favorite moment in that is there's the scene where John is told his true heritage, right? right? And one of them, I don't remember which one, says something like, "We made the choice to focus the camera on John in this scene because we felt his reaction was really the important part." And it's like, "Wow, we really have a filmmaking master on our hands." You put the camera on the guy who you want to see his reaction so that we could see it. That's brilliant. 
I can't believe you came <laughs> up with that. That's incredible. Yeah, it was... Um, That's the kind of masterminds we're dealing with. I mean, with. I just... You know, I... Oh, no, it's not so... Do not want to start a thing with the, the Zack Snyder people. I've already <laughs> oh, been there, done that. But um, I... <laughs> I just there was and I, I can't confirm this. This is like second, third hand, so I apologize if this is hearsay. But I, I think it's, I think it's a real thing. Somebody was saying, you know, you you really you really enjoy like this, the, you know, the visuals of like uh, three hundred or Watchmen or whatever, uh, and you in the theater, and you're like, wow, that's really cool. And then you go and you listen to his, uh, you'll go to you'll go to through the three hundred Blu-ray and you'll listen to the special features and you'll hear Zack Snyder talking about it. And you go, yeah, I chose this shot because it looked really cool, and then I did this shot because it was really cool. And then you're like, well, okay, well, how about Watchmen, right? Because there's a lot of stuff going on there. So you know, what, what was the thought process behind that? You listen to the special features. And, yeah, this shot was just really cool, and I thought it'd be cool if we did this. <laughs> and you know, you get that impression. <laughs> Which I think yeah. is reductive of like Zack Snyder, what he's actually doing. Maybe he doesn't know how to articulate it, but it's like that's what this is. It's like, and then we wanted to get a shot of the whole family because now they're all together again, right? Like, it's just, they didn't say that, but you know, like it's that kind of it's just saying what we're seeing on the screen. On the screen, they seem tired. They seem like they don't care about this show anymore. They're they're did you know that they're directing the finale? Are they actually? They are direct. These two writers. <laughs> so for some reason, HBO has allowed them to direct the final episode. Well, don't you know they're signed up to do Star Wars? So clearly they've got the resume. Christ, I hope they don't. We were talking about who. Maybe I was talking with someone else. I think it was you. We were talking about how I hope they don't direct those. Because at least maybe, you know, they could get someone interesting to direct. Yeah, them I think it, it probably was me. Writing them. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, we were talking about they, they're getting the old Republic. Uh, but my God, if they choose to do, I just can't, like, it's crazy to me that, you know, we talk about budget. If there's one thing that you're seeing on screen in this episode, it's just money. There's just money in every corner of the frame in this episode. And the scene where Daenerys and Jon are riding the dragon, it's, it's the only purpose of that scene is to say, hey, look, we have like money now. We can do like a real movie. <laughs> And it's just that's the only reason that scene is there. Um, yeah, and it's so a, that, it's a it's a scene. Oh man, it's that it's like someone watched How to Train Your Dragon, huh? It's but not even though. I mean, that's what it's it's, it's <laughs> someone someone heard about How to Train Your someone, Dragon. It's like someone heard about How to Train Your Dragon. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> it and I think I think it's it would be it's very easy to unfortunately at this point very easy to just you know sort of dog on this show but i think it's important to draw contrast with other shows star contrast is now game of thrones versus the rest of television and film. <laughs> <laughs> well well hoopleheads was the rest of television versus game of thrones so it's only fair. yeah exactly exactly um and so so um so i think uh you know when we talk about what is so we're jumping around the, but let's talk about danny and and uh and john on dragons um, and let's just leave aside the like weird special effects because they are weird and it's where you invest your money in a show is so bizarre to me. Like what I know it's cause you, everyone wants to see these, but this scene isn't even like a battle scene. It's not even like, that's the scene I want to see John get on a dragon to kill the night King or something. 
right? It's just a scene to be like, oh, they're falling in love more. And then the dragons are super perverted and weird and want to watch them make out. <laughs> that was my favorite. That was just bizarre. It was so stupid. <laughs> the dragons are like the cat at the end of the bed staring at you. It's, oh my God. That was genuinely, I genuinely thought that was a great gag. It was, really well it was so strange. But, um, <laughs> but, but, you know, what do you see in, you know, I, I can't believe I'm going to talk about it, but like Avatar, the movie, right? It does not have many redeeming features in my view, but the, um, although you wrote a great essay about it, which uh, maybe we can link to if we, um, oh, yeah, if, if, you ever, if you ever want to uh, hear, read a great essay, uh, definitely check that one out. Cause um, it, it's, it's well, it's extremely well written and it made me, it gave, it gave something to, to think about in Avatar because largely I don't ever think about that film but the best scene in, in Avatar in my view is the scene where he uh, rides a dragon for the Jake Sully rides a dragon for the first oh, time yeah. or whatever that weird sure. thing he is and it's so cool it's so well shot and it's it's sort of um, it really gives you the feeling especially in 3D and all that stuff but it really gave you the feeling of that, that vertigo of like jumping off of a, uh, a cliff and flying out and whatever and it was like immersive you know it really made you feel like you were on a dragon and like this and 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 then how to train your dragon does the same thing it really really i mean for i love the first movie the second movie i didn't really enjoy that much but for everything else uh whatever you think about that franchise the um uh the the the, the dragon flying is amazing it's so cool and uh they really worked with um oh, what's his face uh roger deakins to mm. really they, i mean you could tell that a cinematographer really worked on that uh film with them um and uh it's uh it's it's gorgeous and it, it's really communicates this this crazy feeling of flying on a dragon i mean it's a dragon for god's sake um and uh this scene is so bizarre because you know it really has a lot more in common with like the never-ending story i sent you a gift a, a gif of this uh at the beginning it was it was spot on it was it was maybe i'll put a link to it in the, in the post but i mean you know that shot of you know just like you know, John on the back. And then, you know, it's just all of these cuts and edits. And like, there's a scene where he goes over a cliff and into like a gulch. And I was like, oh, wow. Now I'm like about to feel this. And then it cuts away to something else again. And I'm like, we, we're not getting any sense of what's happening right now, except for that. They're like giggling at each other from dragons. I just thought the whole thing was extremely strange, but also just weird to invest your money in that sequence and not put it into anything else i don't know it's just bizarre to me i just found the whole thing extremely disconcerting because if you're gonna do it do it right <laughs> and if you're not gonna do it then don't do it but like this halfway like weirdly edited like weird shot choice it's like half of them are shots of him on the dragon sometimes it goes into first person but then it cuts away from that again but like in no point in any of those does it communicate anything useful he's not slipping off we don't need to see him holding onto the dragon. That actually isn't relevant. Like we could see him, you know, we could get a perspective of him as he's riding this dragon. We could maybe, maybe, you know, there's some tension as he's flying because he does feel like he's going to fall off. That could be kind of exciting. Like nothing, if nothing of consequence happens this entire sequence. And then it's over suddenly. And it's like a really weird edit when it ends because maybe it was, <laughs> it was too much to edit to, um, to, to, to do more CGI of him getting off the dragon because he's just off when Danny lands again so I don't know I just I thought this whole sequence was extremely weird yeah I, like I said I really like the ending with the 
dragons awkwardly staring at them. I did think that was genuinely funny. <laughs> and I know, I saw some people who were annoyed by it, but I feel like... I wasn't annoyed. I just thought, like, what, I, what I is happening what, on the show? Anymore? What worked for me about it is I, it's the first time in the entire series that I felt like the dragons have had a personality. Um, that, that I felt like, because, you know, pretty much they're just like... They might as well just be sentient explosions that you have to stay clear of. That's pretty much the only mm. role they fulfill in the rest of the series. It's the first time they felt like not just living things, but like creatures with a consciousness that have thoughts and feelings. Um, and to see that deployed <laughs> for this like uh, sex comedy gag was just so it just it just worked for me. And that was a moment where I think the show was trying to be funny and it worked. There are moments where the show was not trying to be funny and it was very funny. And if you'll, if you'll allow me, uh, can we please talk about poor Sam? Um, Oh, right. Oh man. So there's the scene where Sam's talks, Sam talks to Daenerys and he finds out, uh, it's just, the whole, this whole scene, all I could hear was the Curb Your Enthusiasm music in my head because that's the way it plays. <laughs> it does kind of play that way. It plays as like this cringe comedy moment where she's like, oh, your name is Tarly. Uh, well, funny story. I actually had to kind of execute your dad. And he's like <laughs> clearly horrified. But he's like, well, <laughs> at least my brother's alive. <laughs> She goes, ooh, about that. <laughs> <laughs> and again, great moment from the behind the scenes is when one of the Davids is says, says, you know, um, whatever his name is, the actor who plays Sam, he plays the difference in his reactions so subtly between hearing about his dad and hearing about his brother. And it's just footage of him like blubbering yeah. <laughs> and like vibrating. It's like, oh yeah, this is real subtle. This is subtle acting. I mean, I don't, I don't, I didn't even have a huge problem with the performance, but like it was weird to highlight it. Me neither, but it's not, it is not understated. It's not understated. In fact, when he first, when she first says, she hasn't like revealed the punchline yet, the initial punchline of just that his dad died. And he's already like in a, like in a, his, his mouth is like a perfect arch. Like he's already (laughs) crying, but like, or like it looks like a baby that you've just, you've made a sad face at and then it just like starts to cry you know but, yeah. but it hasn't actually happened yet it almost feels like it's from a different take i mean i guess you know oh. he knew it was coming or something but like, i guess how, so yeah how um yeah and the other thing too is that like it just occurs to me that uh, maybe i can't maybe i'm not remembering but i i from what i understand sam was like the character who figured out the thing about obsidian figured out about John's parenting, parentage, uh, was the first one to see a dead person. Um, I don't think he saw a White Walker, but he saw a dead person first. Or, but like he just was the first to do a lot of things. But a lot of things like didn't matter because other people figured it out as well. So like he's not even getting credit for all those things. Slash, a lot of his plotline just doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? It's kind of a weird phenomenon. Like he was. Unless I'm misremembering, like, did he, he didn't, like, John figured out how to do a lot of that stuff without him, right? I think it is, he is kind of an audience surrogate in a lot of ways, and that we find things out through him, but then characters 
just end up finding stuff out anyway without him. I think you're right. Um, he is kind of an odd character in an ensemble show like this in that way. Cause you know, an ensemble show like this, at least in a cast, this, this massively vast, there's not typically like that audience point of view character. Cause usually we're meant to just kind of be inserted into the thick of it, into the mix of it. Um, so Sam is kind of a weird, uh, character in that he often fulfills that role but then like what the things he sees and the things he finds out don't really end up mattering because other people find them out also in their own way i mean you know the a great example is what he tells john in this episode like he doesn't need to be the one to do that bran finds it out bran could have told him but for some reason he is given the position of uh, or he is put in the position of being the one to deliver this information. Like Sam is kind of not an ancillary character, but he is a, he feels vestigial at this point, I guess. Yeah. Or like redundant. And I just find it weird because he could be positioned as, you know, when, when Danny first comes in and I'm like, actually this could be really cool because he discovered all these really important things, all these, all these really important elements. And he could be sort of like the Kyburn or like, you know, some sort of character who's like an advisor to the, queen and you know in the sort of bookish sense um and that could really be you know like a varus almost a varus like a lot of like roles that actually he could fill or maybe something unique to him um and uh but then you start to think actually no he hasn't really done very much of anything because everything gets done by other people after he figures it out and the one thing he did do was he did help jorah um so I guess there's that, but mostly it's just figuring out the thing. But it, the show like weirdly positioned him to be like, he's going to be the one to reveal all this information. Oh, somebody else already did it, you know? And it's just kind of a weird thing to do the character, especially since, you know, I like, uh, I like John Bradley's performance. I think he's a decent, he's a decent actor. And like, there was so much more to be done with the character. They just spent, I mean, maybe it's because it's been a while, but we spent so much time. Like, I don't know if you remember how much time we spent with him. And with Gilly and with all oh, this yeah. stuff, but like, ultimately, why? And like, people like him, like fans like him and stuff. It's just like, but then you know, all the big moments are mostly taken away. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think he is a, he is a, he is high on my death, my death watch. Mm. Um, I think he is he is ripe for a oh. dramatic death that will get everyone really sad yeah, in a battle or something. Especially John. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, but by the way, he said, you know, his brother was a, was a good person. W- w- was Dickon, was, I thought he was also a racist. His name was Dickon. His name was Dickon. He, but can't hold that against him. You do not, well, you do not name a character Dickon if they're, an, unless you're on some like level 10,000 irony, uh, <laughs> you're not naming a, a nice guy Dickon. But, but was he a good person because I can't remember. I thought he was. I think he was kind of a prick. That's how I remember. That's how him. I remember him too. Not as much as the dad, maybe. But okay, so he's like slightly yeah. less racist than his father. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Awesome. Um. So that's the that's the Tarleys. Yeah, man. Um. So why um that we're not gonna do a summary of the episode, but just you know, so everyone showed up at Winterfell. Just as, like the two main things is there's only two things that happen in this episode. Really, everyone shows up at Winterfell, and. Uh, they're kind of anticipating Cersei's army coming, but then Cersei's like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's basically it. Man, I, I got to say, like, 
they they have really nerfed Tyrion uh, <laughs> since they started deviating from the books. And maybe the best example so far is the fact that he trusts Cersei to send her army. And the only reason that that happens is so that they can, and this is something that kind of annoys me too with what they're doing with Sansa. The only reason that they've made Tyrion make this incredibly stupid miscalculation, misjudgment, um, is so that Sansa can be can say to him, "Hey, you made a really stupid miscalculation." It's like this, this is. She says to him, "Like you know, I used to think you were the smartest, you were the cleverest man in the world." And it's like, well, yeah, because he used to be. On the show, <laughs> that used to be who his character was, but then you stopped writing him like that for some reason. I, I think the implication is supposed to be that he just, you know, sort of talked fast and was a man, so therefore everyone thought he was smart. But I, I don't know. The character was written. Oh, but to he be was very genuinely smart. like, yeah, he wasn't. He didn't. He wasn't like trying to, I you think, know, get one over on people. He was, or no, sorry, he was, but he was, he was good at it, and he was genuinely smart. And they sort of just, like, I mean, I don't honestly, I don't really care. I just think it's kind of a weird choice to take, especially since a character like a lot of people like. And you don't have to take one character away for another character. Like you can just make them yeah. be smart. And um, and uh, you know, and they really set it up that way because she says that about him, and then somebody else is it John or somebody says that she's the smartest person. Oh no, Arya does says she's the smartest person she knows or something like that. Well, Arya says San- John says Sansa thinks she's smarter than everyone. Right. And then Arya says she's um, the smartest one. That's what I know. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's clearly how they're trying to like position it. But, um, but like, yeah, I mean, there was a whole, like, the thing is about Tyrion's intelligence is again, there's, there's no reason Sansa can't be, you know, smart, but like her intelligence would it just manifest completely differently. Tyrion's was like funny and, and, and gay, like he sort of got out of sticky situations and stuff. Uh, Sansa's intelligence is completely different and, and, you know, equally valid. Just, it, it, comes out differently so like these two things can exist and it's not like there's two jokey funny smart characters and they need to get rid of one of them <laughs> like these characters have not really nothing in common um so just i don't know just do that but anyway i didn't really care about this i just thought uh, i agree with that you know i i actually my one note about this as i was watching the episode was uh i'm so glad peter dinklage is gonna be able to go back to like doing movies and other tv things again that'll be nice because he's great uh, and i just yeah it's just sad and so many of the bad actors on this show we'll never see again, and that'll be nice too. Oh God, it's um, brutal. Um, I, we we skipped over. I did, but I did call um, Amelia Clark and Kit Harrington the two worst actors in history on Twitter I, yesterday. I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I saw that. And I stand by it. I um. So I uh, I I Amelia Clark's not great for sure. I stand by my assessment from I think all the way back in Hard Home going all the way back to season 5 which is when the show started although we actually covered season 4 before that um, and uh, I think he's not great either but he can carry a scene a bit better than she can like when mm-hmm. he finds out about his like ancestry I was you know I, I wasn't like it didn't break my immersion. I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. I can believe that this is how he would react. I mean, knowing Jon Snow up to this point is like, you know, he's not a particularly emotive person because Kit Harrington is sort of limited <laughs> in his range. But I was like, yeah, no, that's how he would react. And he, I think his response is like, I think he, he delivered that, you know, pretty decently. I think, you know, it, it, it's, it somehow sticks out even more with scenes with Daenerys because 
Amelia Clark is really wooden, and so he looks better. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. It's a weird thing, but I think, well, like, yeah. I think Kit the Harrington is not the. He's he he was quite, you know, one note for several seasons and has picked well, up over time. My my thing with these two is actually that I think Amelia Clark is one note and Kit Harrington is zero notes. Oh wow. Um, I think Amelia Clark, the only register she can really operate in is the kind of like, not sultry, but like suggestive, very like sly winking, like, oh, come on, ride my dragon. That's kind of the only register she, and then when she has to start screaming and being commanding, it just, she's completely out of her depth. Um, Kit Harrington, though, is just adorable because he is not even coming close to anything you could call performing like he's just not he just doesn't act he just stands there and says lines you can't call it acting it's not that's so bad i'm sorry like he's he's not listening to this he doesn't he can cry into his mill his game of thrones residuals i don't care <laughs> well anyway at least for the record ken harrington if you're listening to this i think you're marginally better than me so <laughs> <laughs> I just, I mean, look, I, I, he's sufficient for the role. I, it's sufficient for the role as it has been. The fact that they're going to try and turn his character into like the king is, yeah, going to be amazing to watch. I can't believe like the whole show is hanging on these two, and it's they, they've killed off. They have long since killed off all the best actors on this show. Like Charles, I, I think when Charles Dance got killed oh, off, yeah. That was the beginning of the end for Game of Thrones. That's a good point. Yeah, there was a lot of good... Uh... Yeah, Natalie Dormer was great, too. Um, oh, the woman who played uh, Lady Olena. Um, Sean Bean is great. He was great on this show. Yeah, I mean, Sean Bean's an extremely reliable performer. I like him a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, when I saw his statue, I was like, oh, let's do a flashback to Sean Bean. Let's do some Sean Bean... Uh... You know what? It would be really funny if they just did a flashback and then just played the first season again. I'd be like, the show got really good again. <laughs> It's amazing. Oh, man. Oh, you know what? That actually reminds me. Before I forget, um, can we talk about the new opening sequence? Because I think it's kind of bad. Oh, my God. You don't even like the opening sequence. There's I no think pleasing it's it. like, I might, I'm sorry. I, I really am. Because I know people listen to this who like really genuinely love the show. And I'm sorry to be like uh, Debbie Downer today. But it's just the pro- the opening, the original opening sequence is so good. Like it is so inspired. Uh, what it I was does, just confused by the new opening. I, I had no idea what was happening. I was like, "Well, it does exactly because it doesn't operate uh, on the same level as the original. It doesn't do what the the original does. It misses the point because the whole point of the original is that it situates you." In the world, it shows you the locations you're going to be in for the next hour and says, here's wh- here they are, here's where they are in relation to each other, here's what they look like on like a grander scale, and, and you know, it sets that up. Whereas this op- new opening, it doesn't really do that. It's all about these very garish C- CGI close-ups, and, and you, you never really get a sense of what these locations are. Um, well, it's a lot of inside, yeah. like swooping shots. Yeah, it's all interior buildings, and you're like, that's the opposite of the point of a of a topographical. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't know why they changed it. Like, I really don't. It's it was it was iconic. I don't get like why 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 do it different? It's the last well, I mean, season. It is, Everyone loves I it. I think part of the problem is that they realized that they couldn't show like fourteen different you know regions of Westeros Westeros because um, they don't have uh, anything to show at this point. Like, that's just true it's like two Landing. places now yeah, and the yeah. Wall. 
So, and like, I don't know, is the implication, is like next episode going to be a battle? It seems like the dead are almost there. I don't know. The, the preview for next week did not show any battling, but I think episode three, I think three is, is the um, battle episode. That's the Miguel Sapochnik one. Yeah, that's the, one, the first one. So I'm pretty sure that's going to be the big battle. Um, Which begs yeah, the question, man. what the hell is going to happen after that? Well, I, I, I have a prediction, actually, yeah, I saw, I, I, which I'm tweet? fairly confident of. And I will say it on the air as well. Um, I this is this, I'm going to set it down now and we'll see where it goes. I think, and this is based on the marketing too, uh, the way they've marketed the season, I think that by episode three, they will have dealt with the Night King and the White Walkers. I think there will be that big battle at Winterfell they were talking about uh, prior to the season airing. And then they will win. Um, and then four five and six are about what comes after, because one of the things that I've been kind of confused about as to the structure of this season is that we have this central conflict with Cersei and we have to deal with that parallel to the threat of the white walkers. And only one of them, you can't really have both of them happen at the same time. You can't have both of them conclude at the same time at the end of the season. They don't, that doesn't really make sense because it's not like Cersei can team up with the White Walkers. You can't defeat both of them at once. Um, one has to come before the other. And I originally assumed that they would deal with Cersei and, you know, then it would just be, all right, there's nothing left but to fight the White Walkers. But now, based on the pace of this episode and based on what we know Miguel Sapochnik is directing in episode three, I think they're going to deal with the White Walkers in episode three. They will deal with Cersei in episode four, and then five and six will be about Daenerys versus Jon. I think that's a fair guess, and it also sets up the... Because we talked about way back when, um, about the prophecy around the sword and... Yes. Yep. The Zorhai or whatever it is. I can't really remember any of this, to be honest with you. I didn't read the books. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm talking about. I am just repeating No, you got it, you got stuff it. from what we talked about before but um so yeah they could that's a way they could do that because we had talked about how is that going to work you know how, why would he because are they going to like sacrifice her to you know fulfill a prophecy and they don't have to sacrifice her if she becomes like a bad guy um but the thing is here's the problem with all this it's like the whole story hinged on this really compelling it's part of the reason the first season is so compelling and even the first couple of seasons um overall is that they set up this like looming threat of the the white walkers is like this thing that like your petty squabbles which they keep saying in this you know john's still on this which is like none of this matters we need to be focused on the white walkers because that's the real the real end game um but then like if it's all resolved by by episode three if it is goes the way and i have no reason to think it won't necessarily go that way it very well could then the conflict becomes between like John and uh, John and Danny and, and Cersei, and then John and Danny, which then is like back to the kingdoms, which is those petty squabbles actually do matter. And then it's like I don't know, it kind of feel like it undermines what has been like the kind of cool thing about the show is like yeah, there's all this political intrigue, but the big threat is the this other thing. And then it's like well, but actually that big threat wasn't a big threat. This is the big threat, which is, what is Cersei going to do? Uh, and, oh, my God, the dragons. And it's, it's just a weird thing to do with your show when you have this compelling framing and then you kind of undermine it. 
Well, I, I completely agree with you, and that does not factor into whether or not I think it will happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah, but I, I mean, I do think that to some extent the endgame is Daenerys versus Jon. Uh, I think that that is pretty clearly set up in this episode. Uh, Daenerys will never accept that Jon is the actual rightful heir. Um, and I do think it's really funny, by the way, that... Um, Oh, what's his name? The Onion Knight. Um, yeah, that's what I have listed as my notes. <laughs> the Onion Knight. That's his name. He's the one to bring up the idea that they would marry each other. And when I saw that, I was like, wait, are they not going to do that? Because, like, obviously, obviously they get married. Why is this being brought up like it's a possibility? I thought that whole sequence was really weird. It was like, you know, a proposal. That's exactly what I By the way, the writing. Oh, my God, the writing in this. Yeah, it's 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 rough. It it's real rough. It's so rough. I was actually... The the sequence with Tormund is the only sequence in this whole episode I actually liked. I just wanted... Yeah, that was all right. I, I thought yeah. that was enjoyable. I actually thought the whole introduction of it was cool. The the way the... the I thought the lighting was better in that episode, that scene. I don't know where they shot it, or maybe it was just, like, slightly different, but, like, it, it was mysterious. I was like, where are they? What's going on? The joke wasn't about somebody not having a penis. It was actually about having blue eyes, which I thought was kind of funny. They opened the episode with that. Sorry to interrupt you. No, I... Keep going. I agree, but then there was, like, at least... Like, one or two more in the same episodes like they've been making that joke for like four seasons and it wasn't even funny the first time and i was just like yeah i'm with Tyrion. like that's what Tyrion is now right that's yeah you know um he's stupid and makes incredibly dumb jokes um but yes anyway so you know i just thought the whole torments and then it ends with this really creepy scene and actually that whole sequence was quite evocative of that opening imagine if they'd opened with that 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 scene in this episode because it, it reminds me of the cool. opening of the whole series, which started with yeah, that totally. crazy White Walker scene. And I'd be like, whoa, that's nuts. Um, but instead they'd introduce yet yeah, another kid lord. Okay, we get it. Kids are in charge now because of the because their parents died or whatever. But like, you know, we had that last season with the other one and like you know with Lord now it's Lord Umber. And then he was just introduced to then be immediately murdered. I just, the whole thing was just bizarre. We're going to chalk up one uh, child brutalization for this season. We got our first. I'm sure there are many more coming. Uh, There could well be. There could well be. But yeah, so anyway, so it sounds like I'm actually dogging on that scene. But again, I I liked the torment scene. Um, But by and large, I found it to be really, the, the rest of the writing of the episode to be quite weak, including this sequence with the, with the, where they talk about the proposal. And it's like, I couldn't figure out what they were getting at. Yeah, I guess the implication is like that they're going to formally marry them and that's going to change things. Like, just, do people not know they're together already? I don't know. I found the whole thing a bit weird. I couldn't really figure out what the purpose of that would be. Yeah, well, it comes with this, it comes with that weird tag of um, Varys. He says like, oh, you know, it's it's one of these weird, Game of Thrones did, gen- did at one point genuinely used to have good writing and this kind of feels like it's uh, the shadow. It's someone trying to imitate what good Game of Thrones writing used to sound like. And it's him talking about how, oh, the young show us respect because we're a reminder that nothing lasts. It's like, what are you even talking about? That doesn't mean anything. It doesn't. That's not profound. Give me it's a like, break. It's like semi-profound, like like pseudo-profound, but like in an episode, like in a show. Again, that's about like existential dread. 
You know, mm-hmm. people don't grow old when there's White Walkers around. So it's such a weird <laughs> thing, thing to make Nobody that grows old on this show. Nobody gets old. They all die. Well, yeah, I there mean, they die no, anyway. But especially old. in the case of, like, they're facing imminent death with, like, the yeah. army of the dead on them. And they're like, uh, well, uh, to be young again. What? What? What is happening? What, if, <laughs> if only they knew when they get old that people would reject them and leave them to the side. What are you talking about? We're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> it's bizarre. <laughs> what a bizarre comment to make. Ugh, yeah, it was a very strange um, sequence. Um, was uh, yeah. Can we talk about uh, Cersei really yeah, quick? Yeah, and, because... and you're on, I guess. Yeah, because uh, speaking of characters who have really, um, so I don't know if you've heard this term before. There's a term. In turn, like I think it comes from. I don't know if it comes from TV tropes. I don't want to attribute it to that site, but that's where I first heard of it, called Flanderization, uh, which is this thing that happens on long-running TV shows. It refers to the character Ned Flanders from The Simpsons, who was originally um, a little bit more well-rounded. He wasn't just uh, he wasn't the character we think of him to as today, but over time he sort of lost his, his edges were sanded down and he lost a lot of the details of his character that you would, you would associate with him. And he became just kind of one joke, an exaggeration, a caricature of his former self. Um, that's Flanderization. And I feel like that's what's I happened to Cersei before, to yeah. an extent. That's what's happened to Cersei. I feel like, I, feel I think like it's Cersei happened to a lot a of caricature. I think Tyrion kind of as well. Yeah. Oh, Tyrion, absolutely. I think that's what you're talking about, is this? he's the guy who's just, he's dumb and he makes dumb jokes now. Like, that's not who Tyrion was at the beginning of the series. Um, but that's what people, that as a show goes on long enough, I think the creators kind of forget what a character's supposed to be, and they just have this impression of the character in their minds, that that's all they have to go off of. Um, but I think that's what's happened to Cersei. There's this utterly bizarre scene with Euron, where Euron comes to her and he's like, I brought you the Golden Company, um, whatever. And he's like, so can we fuck? And Cersei says, no, you know, if you if you want a whore, go buy one. If you want a queen, earn her. Uh, and then she dramatically walks away. And then Euron says, but I brought you an army. And then she says, oh, okay, fine. We can, we can fuck. It's like, what are you, what's going on? It's just, it just was so strange. Like, I, Cersei as a character is so unreadable to me now. She makes decisions that make no sense for seemingly no reason. I, I just don't understand Cersei anymore. It's, um, I, I completely agree. I find her kind of impenetrable at this point, but also, like, weirdly, um, she's just boring. I don't know. She's a boring character now because she just doesn't, you know, She's incredibly predictable. I mean, okay, uh, you know, I actually, you know what? I predicted that she would. In my head, I was like, yeah, of course she's gonna sleep with Euron, because why not? This is, show doesn't make any sense anymore. So no one else lives in King's Landing. Everyone is and gone. everyone's gone, and uh, she's now put a head out on her brother. I don't even remember what happened with Jamie. Why is she trying to kill Jamie? I know why she's trying to kill Tyrion. Okay. Because Jamie abandoned her at the end of last season, he's like, "I'm not gonna." Cause, oh, because she told him that he that she wasn't gonna send the armies, and he was like, "Well, screw this. I'm going. I'm going to help." All uh, right, 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 right. Okay. So yeah. So, but now, I thought the whole thing was that she loved him and wanted to have his kid, and that was the whole thing. But now she just doesn't want to have a kid with him. She wants to have a kid by herself. 
I don't know. Yeah, Cersei is really uh, unreadable to me at this point. I just, I, I don't know what they're trying to do with her. Yeah, I mean, they're just kind of turning her into a villain-type character. But, like, a sympathetic villain, you know? Because she's crying, so... Therefore, she's sympathetic. Um. Anyway, I don't know. I got nothing. Um. Yeah, and then there's that... I, so, just... There's another... Speaking of queens, that scene when... Uh, so, they go off on the dragons and they land together. That... that uh, When they're um, they're talking about how it's... This is something about how it's cold or like the sorry, but this is uh Danny and, and, and John. They're talking about how it's cold or like if they stay out there too long or whatever. And uh and Danny says, So keep your queen warm. I don't know. I just almost fell off my chair. I couldn't believe that this is what the show has turned into. I can't believe this is what we're, this is where we're at. I actually I read that quote and I was like, Did Cersei say that to Euron? But no. It's like it could be. Why not? What the hell? I mean whatever. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. And also like this whole plot to like give, um, Ron a crossbow to kill them poetically. What, what is that? What is, well, cause Tyrion killed. No, I know. Um... I know what it is, but why? <laughs> I know. I know. It's idiotic. I know you know. It's really stupid. It's the implication and that she's lost, Bron that she's lost it and she's just like, you know, doing whatever she wants and is like kind of off a rocker. Is that the idea or? Well, she's gone to the only other person living in King's Landing anymore. By the way, this show we've talked about in the past, how it'll have these scenes where the cities feel completely unpopulated. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know if you've seen that screenshot from one of the first Kingdom Hearts games, but there's a scene in the city from Aladdin. And because these are old games, it's just like, there's no people in the environments at all. But there's a shot of like, <laughs> there's a shot of this like completely desolate city. And Aladdin says in the subtitles, that's why I love this place. The people. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's what like the cities on this show always feel like to me, at least in the recent seasons. It's just like nobody lives here except the main characters. There's no, there's no people. There's no it's people. just sets. Yeah. And that's what King's Landing feels like now. It's like, who, who is here except the four people who live here? Like the, whose names we know. No one. Right. Which we talk about a lot, but I mean like that is, um, it's a perennial issue on the show. Uh, the only reason Winterfell feels full is in part because cause that usually feels empty because there's like two people there having conversations. Yeah. Uh, it only feels full because there's the entire cast and um, like some like uh, secondary cast members who are just um, bannermen of the, you know, of the, the North. So, mm-hmm. and we've gotten to know like one or two of them. So it's like, oh, it's those people we know and also them. So like they've kind of filled in Winterfell. But yeah, King's Landing is just for like the capital of the entire continent seems quite desolate. But I mean, I, I, I can't expect any of that. I mean, like, come on. That's asking way too much. To just have like a, a, a scene in a market that isn't just two people walking with empty stalls everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, they blew all the budget on the dragons. Well, that's what I'm saying. But extras. I mean, hire some extras, surely. I mean, I'm I'm sure the CGI budget doesn't cost. Well, maybe it does. I don't know. I don't, maybe you could have hired extras. I would love to see how much the show costs now. I would genuinely love to see it. I'd like to see a breakdown of their budget. Yes, find please. Out that, I want like, to see they the itinerary. Spend, like seventy-five percent of their budget on dragon CGI. 
It's like that drill tweet about the candles, but it's dragons. I mean, so look, we used to complain that they only did dragon scenes in like the the night, or maybe it wasn't complaint. We were just pointing out that they only did them in nighttime scenes because they could like hide them. Yeah. Um, and now it's like we got as much dragon as we can possibly want, but like I don't know, you can take it back. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man. Like it, it. It's a dragon. I get it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's season. It's season eight. You know. My 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 favorite. Speaking of budget, my favorite uh, moment about that is when uh, the Golden Company guy Strickland is what his name or something. Uh, oh yeah, Harry Strickland, which is a bizarrely real world really name. Really funny name. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it just sounds like he he uh well Strickland propane right from king of the hill so oh jeez um, yeah it's a crossover it's a crossover it's a crossover episode guys that would actually be amazing <laughs> can you imagine if game of thrones just decided it was gonna be a crossover with king of the hill, <laughs> king of the hill. that would be the greatest it would redeem everything john snow is becomes the king of the hill <laughs> oh my god that'd be awesome um by the way king of the hill great show everyone should watch that sure. oh yeah Definitely. Um. Anyway, so he says, uh, uh Cersei's complaining because she's she's like, oh, you got this and this, but you didn't have elephants. And he's like, well, you know, they don't travel over water very well. And I'm like, yeah, all right, the budget, huh? <laughs> 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 you couldn't afford it. I see what you're doing there. Yeah, all right. Um, having said that, like war elephants, I'd love to see war elephants at this point. That would have been so cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, in a big battle scene, which is. Which they kind of did. They did like mammoths or something in the. At the end. They did snow mammoths. Right? Yeah, like the, or, or they were don't yeah wildling mammoths. Like the wildlings, or maybe the the White Walker army had mammoths. I don't remember. Somebody did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So they've done it in the past. It's not like they can't do it. But I just thought it was funny because it was like, yeah. Well, then we, we just to be clear, not to get anyone's expectations up, we will not be seeing elephants in any battle scenes. Everyone's <laughs> on the same page. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> Yeah, that I thought the exact same thing. <laughs> um, okay, I'm gonna give you a challenge here. What are three things you really liked about this episode? Okay, um, do they have to be things I genuinely liked or things I ironically liked? <laughs> this is the that's a bad start. Um, <laughs> uh, like how hard do you ship Arya and Gen and and Gendry? Oh God, Arya should not be shipped with anyone. She still looks like a child. Yeah. She's still like twelve years old. Get gross. I mean, she's not like Maisie. Williams I know she's actually like, not. Maisie Williams is like eighteen, I think. I know, but she, like the character, it hasn't been that long still. Yeah, well, it's weird because, like, again, as we you know, as we know in the books, they're kids. They're much younger, yeah. and they are still quite young. I think at this, well, as far as the books have gone, um, but the actors obviously aged dramatically, especially like Bran, for example. Um, yeah. and, uh, John looks at Brandon's like, well, you're a man now. And, um, that can be sort of seen metaphorically, but like, actually he's like an adult man now. So like, <laughs> it doesn't, it's, it's just, a uh, a reality of the show. And therefore, if you transpose that time, you know, obviously the same amount of time has passed for Arya. Um, I think she's supposed to be older, but Maisie Williams just looked quite young. Um, but I think the bigger issue is that just her character doesn't any sense to do this which i think they yeah. are gonna, like, pretty clearly gonna do all right so three things i genuinely oh so liked. that wasn't one of them all right no <laughs> <laughs> i can't say it, it was okay. um so like i said the bit with the dragons watching them have sex was very funny and intentionally funny and i think that was genuinely really well executed number two um 
uh, let me go through the synopsis. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> um. Oh. Oh, this is bad. But the joke when when uh, when the prostitutes leave Bron, and Kyburn says, "Oh, that poor girl, she'll be <laughs> she'll be dead of pox within the year." And Bron spits at like does a spit take and goes, "Which, Which one? one?" Yeah, that was good. Um, that was good. That was pretty funny. That was good. So that almost two. justified that completely unnecessary scene. Oh yeah, God, we need we need tits <laughs> in this episode. It's just unbelievable. How can we get them in? Unbelievable. Um, like that scene. Like it doesn't tell us anything about Braun. It's like we're being introduced to Braun. We know who this character is, kind of. Although, again, talk about a character who's also completely just a random character at this point. I mean, I used we used to love looking forward to like Braun scenes. Everyone did, especially Braun and Tyrion scenes. But like by this point, he's just like a he's like completely unlikable. He's just made all these like horrible decisions. And he's just so selfish, and not like in a fun way, just in like a bizarre way. I mean, remember? I mean, I don't want to remind you of this, really, but um, with the uh, the sand snakes. Oh God, the sand snakes! Right, that was all a bronze storyline, but like. That's right. It was. Like, what? Why? What? So, um, yeah, he's kind of just become a shadow of his former self. So, like, now he has to go, and like, I think it's supposed to be really impactful that these are two people that he has a relationship with Tyrion and uh and Jamie but like I don't know what is their relationship at this point like what are we even supposed to reflect back on the sand snakes seriously yeah um so yeah anyway that's quite quite funny um so anyways but we haven't learned anything about this character they're kind of reminding us oh he's like that kind of guy um but like there's no reason for him to be like in a four-way for this season for this scene to to start yeah Um, but you know it's Game of Thrones. What can you do? <laughs> okay, so number three, um, this is this borders on ironic, but I think I pretty much appreciated it in the way they intended me to. Um, the very final scene of the episode when <laughs> when Jamie arrives at Winterfell and he sees Bran across the courtyard, <laughs> just staring him down like a complete creep. <laughs> uh, that was very amusing. <laughs> I saw there was um a uh I had I had so I, I had just watched the episode so I saw it like twenty four hours or so after it had aired. Um and uh I had but I had seen somebody had made a gif of that. They said something like, you know, this could be the end of the whole the whole series right here. This is like the 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 close to the, the previous uh to the to the to the pilot episode. Um but of course it won't be. Uh we won't we won't be spared that. We're going to have to see the uh, interaction. Maybe we won't. I don't know. Bran's such a weird character at this point that, like, this doesn't even mean anything. He already said, I'm not Bran. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I guess it'll just be Jamie hiding from him. I think Jamie's reaction to me is the, is much funnier. That the first person, because he's come to Winterfell alone. He knows that everyone there hates him and won't trust him except for Tyrion. And the first person he sees is the kid he literally pushed out of a window. Yeah. Seven years ago eight years ago (laughs) seven years ago (laughs) (laughs) oh it's good it is good yeah um i think it's i think it's not meant to be funny but (laughs) i don't think it's meant to be funny but i do think it's meant to um i don't think it's meant to be like shocking like no it's supposed to be like oh shit that and was like oh shit yeah exactly yeah exactly which which can be funny i guess like it depends how you react to 
that kind yeah, of scene. I, I, like I said, it, it is bordering on ironic uh, appreciation, but I, I did really like that moment. Um, I don't know if... Oh, okay, the one last thing I want to just bring up, I think there's not loads else to even talk about, but... Um, uh, yeah, um, the thing I guess I'll, I'll just I'll bring up is this this conversation between Sam and John about his ancestry. There's this weird implication that Sam's making where he's like, you're the king, it's you, it's always been you. And like, he's sort of saying, you've always been a Targaryen, which is fine. But he's also sort of saying, it's you, it's always been you because you're such a good leader. Almost implying that like, and that you're the leader that, you know, who should really be in charge, not Daenerys. And that's confirmed by your bloodline, almost implying like his bloodline is what makes him a good leader, which is so gross. Like, I hate it. Which this show, which this show has really borne out. We see that time and time again, how someone's bloodline makes them a good leader. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, especially Targaryens. I mean, what? Um, <laughs> if he's good, it's in spite of that, you know, if anything. I mean, if what anything. a weird what a weird <laughs> way to frame that. And I just, but it also just really turns me off, like, in terms of, like, because we talked about that, you know, and we've talked about this many times in, in this show and in Avatar as the other, I think, prime example of, like, how can you, like, tell a story about nobility but undercut that? Um and this show almost never does, right? Because it just says all the main characters are basically of noble lineage. There are no peasants on the show. This will not be the uh, the uh, the revolution of the proletariat. This is going to be some highborn uh, jerk is going to sit on the, the throne at the end, or or they'll all just kill each other. Which again, if there's a revolution of the proletariat, it's the army of the dead, right? Like that's what they represent. <laughs> Could be. Could be climate change or even the, the wildlings have been absorbed into the the wildlings who are the cl- next closest thing to that. I would say they're absorbed the probably... into the bourgeoisie. They they work for them, you know. They're part they, of it. They allied. They allied with them. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. You could do like a whole um, a whole like class analysis of the show. I'm sure, uh, really get into it or like make parallels to the Soviet Revolution. Or something. That would be amusing. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's just. It's, but like, so the show's never been interested in anybody who's not noble basically i mean there's the occasional character uh but they mostly just die right like because all the characters who are left are mostly noble yeah um and certainly the ones who aren't aren't going to sit on the throne like i guess the hound isn't really he's a knight but he's a i don't know if the clugane house is like a major house well he has a last name right like as long as you have a last name, name yeah. on this show then you're but anyway house. he's not going to sit on the iron throne anyway so it's <laughs> I guess it's a bad yeah, um, I would be happy with that ending. Actually, that would be actually kind if of. If the funny. hound was the king, sure, why not? That could be funny. Um, so yeah, so the show's just not going to do that. But it's just, uh, it was just frustrating to hear that because it's like, you know, uh, you know, because we're trying to piss off every fandom on the planet here. I'm going to <laughs> just bring up the Last Jedi real quick. You know, I think yes. I think <laughs> that um, you know that. Does that movie does a good job in 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 bucking what could have been a really annoying? And it looks like episode nine is just gonna probably be more. Oh, what you mean the rise of Skywalker? Yeah. You think that's gonna rewrite it? Just gonna might rewrite things a little bit, which is annoying because um, oh. I think it's really cool to separate yourself from the you know to not make everybody related to everybody else to not you know make everything like make every chosen 
you know, one character to be like the son of this person or the daughter of that person. Just make them a random person. Like, why does it have to be? There's something really powerful in that. So when they're like, oh, you know, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen The Last Jedi, but for God's sake, um, you know, that Ray's parents aren't particularly special. Like, they're just random people. Then, you know, that's, a, that's like a really powerful message about, you know, coming from nothing and then, you know, still being able to change the world. Like, what a great story. Um, and, you know, they were never going to be able to fix that with John's you know, because they wanted to, you know, because they were following the story from the book, I guess. So fine, he's a Targaryen, but like the implication that that somehow like by heredity makes him a great leader is just, it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad. Especially when the whole the whole premise of the show is that being a Targaryen almost always makes you lose your mind and become a violent monster. Right. And then they like show us that with, with um, Daenerys. I guess the idea is like the Stark blood like cooled him off, but then it's just I don't know. It's super eugenic. Like that's how DNA works. Yeah, it's as you know. No, yeah. I mean, it, look, as a scientist, let me tell you guys, <laughs> my days studying Targaryen blood in the lab. If you add just a drop of Stark blood, <laughs> it just turns into it just coagulates. It changes color. It changes it's color, incredible. and it's uh, yeah, it's crazy. It's really it's nuts. <laughs> Uh, but no longer flame retarded, so you know it's you lose. Yeah, that. it's yeah. it's you know it's a plus minus situation. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, look, uh, I don't endorse this from a scientific perspective or a political perspective, but uh, it looks like that's where the show's going. So uh, we'll just muddle through it. I um in the past I've said that uh, this season is eight episodes. I kept saying that. I think I've said it in multiple Hoopleheads episodes. I don't know why I said that. It's six episodes, I think. So. My bad. Yep. Um, it'll be over even sooner than we thought, so that we'll be back to Deadwood, which will be as as much as 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 jarring as this was to go to jump into um, uh, Game of Thrones again. It'll be uh, it'll be nice to just go back to Deadwood after this and then uh, barrel towards the film. But uh, anyway, we can't even introduce next week's episode because we have no idea what it is. Thanks a lot, HBO. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll we'll talk about episode two next time, huh? I guess we will. All right. Talk to you later. See ya. Bye.